welcome to episode 57. As always, you can find the podcast on the web at EnterpriseHardcorePodcast.com. That's where you'll find all of our streaming and social media information. As always, make sure you give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Instagram, in addition to the upcoming episodes that you see on all the social media, you'll also see cool, nostalgic, hardcore stuff, like old flyers, pictures, whatever you can imagine. So make sure you're giving us a follow on all social medias. I also got a Patreon that I set up last month. Like I've been teasing for a little while here. I plan on doing some live episodes soon, and I need to do some other upgrades to the podcast. So any help is much appreciated. The maintenance costs of running the website and the podcast aren't too high, but any help is greatly appreciated because it'll help keeping us move forward with this. Now, there's a couple upcoming local shows of interest. We got Madball, The Take, and Moment of Truth next Thursday, February 10th at the club at Water Street. And then the following Friday, February 18th, we got Death Before Dishonor, Ringworm, Borrowed Time, The Weight We Carry, Wrong Move, and Leaking Head at Photo City Music Hall. Now, none of those bands, as far as, far as the out-of-town bands, none of those bands have played here in a very long time. So these shows promise to be a lot of fun. So if you're able to, make sure you check them out. On episode 57 tonight, I'm going to have Mario and Kim from Upstate Records. So let's get to that right now. All right, so welcome to episode 57. Uh, uh, we won't even talk about the technical difficulties I had getting into this, but uh, we're going to have Mario and Kim from Upstate Records on tonight. Um, it's I'm, I'm positive to say it's my first time having a husband and wife on the podcast, so that should be pretty cool. And it's interesting to hear about you know them running a label together. Um, Upstate Records, the label's really been killing it lately, and I had the new music episode a few episodes back and played a couple of the tracks on there, so I'm sure we'll talk about that. And, you know, I'm excited to hear about the growth of their label during the pandemic, and, like, I ran Enterprise Records 20 years ago, so it'll be cool to talk about record labels now versus then. So I guess with all that being said, uh, how's everything going for you guys tonight? It's going great, man. We're going great, good. Josh. Thanks for having us on, man. Really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I feel like we've already gone through all this, but you know, it is what it is. Josh, I can predict that you're going to have stir fry for dinner. <laughs> how am I? Am I good? Am I good? Mario, Mario I is very bro. smart and I don't know how he possibly would have known what I was having for dinner, but uh, he again uh, made me a little uh, hungry. So uh, <laughs> I had a couple of barbecue <laughs> chips before the interview though, so we'll get through it. Um, but yeah, usually when I interview guests, I like to talk about their background and, you know, I'm, I'm interested to talk to you guys about the background being from Albany because, um, you know, Troy Hardcore obviously is something people are, are, are pretty interested in talking about. So I'd love to hear something about that too. Um, but before we talk about all that, uh, the hooligan holiday was just in Albany last weekend. So why don't you guys tell me about that first? It was killer, man. It, it was such a great time, you know, Friday night, sheer terror headlined, and then Saturday night was Murphy's, Murphy's Law. Law. Uh, Sunday night was still a fantastic show. Maybe Ron little... Move got to have an awesome show. So yeah, they absolutely killed it. I mean, we get it. You know, you know Madball couldn't make it up. They had like a three-day run with Powerhouse. Powerhouse coming from the West Coast they and the weather. You know, down in the coast and everything was too bad. So we get it. But overall, just absolutely great hangs. Um, we were able to catch up with Minus from Marauder uh, for the first time and get to show him, you know, the package, the minus years package. And that was the first time he saw it because he's not really too active on social media. And 
just to look on his face when he got to, you know, open it up, look at the inside cover and, and the back cover. Was Even sobbed. just being able to hold it and have that tangible, you know, music that he had put down so long ago in his hands. It was such a great moment. And it was a great moment for us. You know, you know, the label is about getting music out there and his reaction really makes it all worth it. You ran a label, you know, there's a lot of trials and tribulations, mm -hmm. a lot of stress, you know, you're trying to make things happen. But at the end of the day, when you put it on a tangible format um, and see somebody react like that, man, you know, it was icing on the cake. It was really uh, a high moment for us. Right. Yeah, I saw, well, first of all, I saw, I saw some of the videos you posted, like Murphy's Law and stuff. And I was like, man, it seems like you guys are having a good time down there. But then when I saw, like, you posted the pictures of, of you know, having MCDLP. And then when I saw you're getting people from the bands to start signing and stuff, too, I was like, yo, like, when I was younger, I probably would have scoffed at it. Like, why do I want somebody's autograph? But now that I'm older and I have kids and, like, I'm doing this podcast, like, that's something that, like, I would love to have all this stuff in a frame. Like, I don't know why I don't now, like, have all the stuff that I released, like, in a frame like with the band photos and sign and stuff, you know, like it's, it, it's really funny that you say that because we don't normally do that kind of stuff either, but there was just something about this release and you know, how it felt and meant to so many other people that, and they were all there. There were so many people there yeah. that were a part of this project. So it was almost like a no brainer just to get that down, you know, and it was, it, it was fun for everyone. I think it was, and I'm, I'm with you. I've never been somebody to go seek out autographs, you know, pictures, I, yeah, anything I, like that, or go out and take selfies of people. And, you know, it was just a moment in time where it was just like, I want to do this. I want to capture the people that we've worked with. It wasn't about getting somebody's autograph. It was, it was about, Hey, we worked on this. And when I open up this package, I want to remember this moment of us talking about it. And then with the motorhead uh, compilation that right. we did, all them guys were there, or at least most A of, of the representatives of the bands were there. And um, that was a special one for us. Cause that was the first time we ever did anything on vinyl. And um I missed my opportunity to get Paul from <laughs> Sheer Terror to sign it. But we'll, we'll catch him another time. time. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. You probably want to punch me in the face or something. <laughs> but... Like you want my what? Now you throwing the vinyl thing in is something I, I definitely want to uh, circle back to later because I'm interested in like with running, like I said in the beginning, running a label now versus then, because I know a lot of it's digitally run now. And I'm definitely curious to hear about all that. Um, but I guess before we get into upstate, let's kind of talk about you guys a little bit. Um, are you guys are both from from the Albany area? Well, I guess I listened to a couple of podcasts, so I'm kind of familiar. But um, just kind of tell everybody your background, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> so you know, she's from the sticks, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm from Albany, uh, born and raised. Uh, actually, grew up in the you know the city part of Albany, and then moved to Colony, which is like the suburbs of Albany. But grew up in the Albany hardcore scene, if you will, metal scene, crossover scene. Um, that particular area blended, let's say, Albany, Troy, um, Schenectady, that whole tri-city area, if you will, into one scene. Um, as it grew more and more, things kind of came together, but definitely in the early days, there was a little division, if you will, you know, this city versus that city. But yeah, I got to see some really amazing bands growing up. Um, you know, I probably jumped into it probably in, you know, the later half of the 80s. So seeing a lot of bands coming up from New York City that were just getting or breaking through, like, you know, um, Sick of It All, uh, 
breakdown, uh, Cro-Mags, you know, uh, Killing Time, uh, Raw Deal. Um, all those bands coming through Albany area was just seeing them at the beginning of their career, if you will, was just an amazing time. And then yeah, obviously you continue to grow and grow. Yeah. yeah. And me, I grew up in a little bit of a different era, you know, so I was about 45 minutes north of Albany towards Glens Falls. And our scene was completely different. I mean, there was a lot of rich music, but we didn't get anything like what they got down there, aside from like the mainstream and everything. But there was a lot of musicians, a lot of bands. It was rich in music up there, just a little bit different. It wasn't into this hardcore scene. I really didn't get into it until I met him. And then he started showing me stuff and I'm like, wait, what is that? What is that? What is that? And instantly fell in love. And, you know, that's kind of where I came from. Did you fall in love with me or the music? Music. Okay. Oh, wait, no, you. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of those things where I think like once people like, especially if you get it, like you just want to start seeking out more and more and more bands. Like, that's right. Well, I mean, music was always a huge part of my background. Like yeah. I started playing the drums when I would think it was nine or so. Right. And just absolutely loved music. And when I got to hear like really raw music, yeah, that's when I was like, this is a whole game changer for me. Yeah, it's and authentic. Yeah. And you're a musician too, right, Mario? Yep. Um, started off playing guitar, really sucked at it. So then it <laughs> went over to bass and really sucked at that too. So then I tried to start a recording company and sucked at that too. So now he I'm wasn't so to bad at that. He was actually kind of good at it. No, you're too kind. <laughs> Now I, I've been playing yeah, in bands, you know, ever since, you know, right in the middle of high school, you know, right around the mid eighties or so. And I know you talked about a lot of classic New York hardcore and all those bands that you listed there from seeing it back in the day. We did a top 50 breakdowns episode for my 50th episode and all those bands pretty much were heavily on it. Uh, breakdown was themselves were like number three, if I'm not mistaken. And breakdown was probably the band that, you know, really opened up my eyes to hardcore. I can remember it was like, 10th grade or so and this dude had the demo and he gave it to me and I'm checking it out and I was a, clearly a metalhead all the way um just something about that groove just really brought me into it and then later on I saw the crow mags we got a no video and that just sealed the deal I'm like I'm all in was that video like because I'm obviously a little bit younger I was born in 81 so like was that video on like in rotation like I'm not regular rotation but like headbangers ball and stuff like that would you be able to watch that like see that like all the time and stuff or? oh yeah yeah I can remember I was telling Kim just the other day uh, oh we actually yeah you pulled we were, it up and we, we were, were just watching talking some about it so we would hang out at my buddy JB's house and watch headbangers ball I, th I forget if it came out at 11 or 12 o'clock at night and and we're watching Headbangers Ball and that video came on and just watching Harley, just the way he was grooving in that mm -hmm. video. I mean, just like, this shit's badass, you know? And just from there, just, and what was also really cool about that video is they must've been on tour. Maybe it was Metallica or Motorhead. I forget who they were on tour with, but you could see the blend of like metalheads and skinheads together. And it was just like, that melting pot that was the time when things were really coming together because before that if you had long hair and you went to a hardcore show um it was not a good thing you know what i mean there was definitely a divide between metal and hardcore or punk at that time but it seems like they kind of helped pave the way to kind of bring it and make it a bigger scene if you will and like i guess one other thing i want to talk about 
in that in that era like when you go into those shows was it was it pretty big in albany and and another thing with that was was it teddy toll already booking all those or was it like like somebody else back then yeah teddy toll came a little bit later maybe right around 90 maybe 89 90 91 ish and my memory's kind of fading a little bit but um before that it was all really diy and i remember going to you know the first couple of shows i went to probably you know 86 87 ish um you know thinking back there's probably 50 kids there and it was always kind of the same kids but with every subsequent show it went from 50 to 60 to 70 and we had this other venue called saratoga winners which had you know all the metal acts were coming in so once all the hardcore shows really exhausted the capacity of those smaller venues then it kind of spilled over to Saratoga Winters, and then it just really got bigger and bigger. And when you went to shows, you started seeing more and diff- more different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, really became like a melting pot of, you know, different people. You know, yeah. you started to see more jocks, if you will, start coming in. Um, but just the way the scene exploded was amazing. And then we had the club uh, QE2 which was like the mini CBGBs, if you will, of, of New York, you know? Um, and the thing that really impressed me about the scene back then is that's all you did is, you know, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, shows, you just went and you stuck and you hung out for all the bands. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to see this band and I'm going to leave. It was the place that you went and you saw all your friends, you were hanging out, you know, it was just a really great time for hardcore in that area. You know, things are are different, but they're still the same, you know. So I'm glad that, you know, newer kids are starting to come out to shows mm-hmm. and support. But the energy and the rawness, I don't know if you'll ever get it back. I hope so. I hope so. I'm but, sure it will. But with like social media, it just it seems just like it's waters so it down a little bit. watered down. It's yeah. so mainstream, whereas... You know, back then it was like the only way to get it was to go to a show. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like there's still a few like more of the like the, for lack of a better term, like DIY hardcore bands that kind of bring that energy you're talking about. Absolutely. Yes. Like, but uh, like I sometimes I kind of appreciate the like the more polished sounding stuff too, for whatever reason, you know. So there's, I guess there's two sides of that, you know. So that's the both world. And then if it's good, good, you know. Yeah. Before we, as like I said with the Troy Corps thing before we jump into the label, like any any crazy funny Troy Corps memories? Obviously, like that's a pretty notorious uh scene that worldwide is pretty well known, you know. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm sure you've got yeah. a couple. Yeah, there there's probably too many. Um you know funny, I mean it was it was brutal, man. It, some kids came up from New York City. And, you know, obviously New York City and New York hardcore is like, you know, the pinnacle, if you will, around the world, what it's known for. And I remember these kids coming up from New York City and they thought they were going to run the place. You know, they could dance harder than anybody else. And um, uh, the, the Albany scene and Troy Corps scene definitely, you know, made an impression upon them, to say the least. So I, I just remember, you know, it was pretty brutal in, in the pit back in the days up here. And I think we gained the respect of some, quote unquote, New York hardcore kids coming up, thought they were going to run the place. Yeah, when I when I first got into hardcore, well, I guess a couple of years after, but like one of the first really big hardcore shows I went to here was in 97. And it was like 
integrity, catharsis. And mm-hmm. but the guy, the guy Eric that booked it had a lot of ties to the Troy scene and he put on a uh, dying breed and burning humans. Yeah. And um, I, I want to say he booked Stigma on a different show later on, but like that, we, we knew about all the Troy Clark shit mainly from him. And oh no, uh, uh, what do they call a uh, wartime manor? They played on, on a 25 to life yeah. show too. So yeah, all those bands, like, and it's funny because back then, like for me, I was more into like the traditional stuff. So like a lot of that stuff, like, it didn't really appeal to me as much, but then when I got older, I started appreciating it more. And now, like Stigmata, like I, I love that shit, you know. Mm-hmm. So, to me, they're almost one of the you know the pioneers of the whole crossover metalcore. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, and I'm not really good with the genres. I'll be honest with you. I hate defining a band. You know, to me, it is what it is. And you know, there were metalheads playing hardcore music or there were hardcore, ki- hardcore kids playing metal music and it just came out in their music and it was aggressive. Um, it was thrashy. It was fast. They had the killer breakdowns. Um, you know, they were one of my favorite bands. And I, I say to a lot of people, it's like I was so privileged to kind of grow up in this area. And I'm not trying to dog on any other scene because every other scene probably will say the same thing. Well, no, and I can say it because I grew up like how many years later in that scene. So I missed that era. So I totally get it. It just all those bands that you mentioned, you know, Dying Breed, Wartime Manor, Stigmata, uh, Cutthroat is another band that I absolutely loved and brought that metallic hardcore vibe. Um, To me, it was just that perfect blend of music. You know, it has those thrashy riffs, but those incredible breakdowns and the vocal delivery was pure aggression. Um, and they were all my friends, you know, people I knew growing up. So bad respect. And when, you know, hard, New York hardcore bands came through, I think, you know, the Albany scene, Troy Corps scene held their own against them, too. Not that there was any competition, but I, I always felt as though that scene could have done so much more of the bands played in other areas, you know? Yeah, I'm guessing those bands didn't really tour too much. I know, they, I'm, like I said, I know Eric was friends with those guys, so they all came up here, but I feel like those were all one-off shows. Like, I doubt they were like on tour, even like a weekend. Right. right. So and I think it's just a testament of their attitude, you know, around here. It was all about playing music. It wasn't about being a rock star and trying to get, you know, a huge record deal. It was just like, hey, Every Sunday, we're going to go play a show Mm -hmm. and all of our friends are going to come and we're just going to kill it. And then we're going to go back to work or go back to school, whatever, you know, age period we were in. And um, that's just the way it was. You know, it wasn't about making a million dollars playing music. It was about letting it out for that release. Yeah. Now, I guess jumping into Upstate a little bit. We'll talk about like the inspiration and stuff like that. But one thing I was kind of thinking of uh, doing, getting ready to do the interview is there's been a, a few other record labels in the Albany area and like another one currently too. Like, did you like have any ties to any of them or anything? Or like, was that inspiration at all for you starting the label or? Yeah, definitely. I think the first person that he contacted when we thought about starting up the label was Buddy from Unbeaten Records, which I mean, him and Buddy go very far back. So, I mean, what, and what did he say to you? <laughs> you'll yeah, never sleep never sleep yeah so unbeaten records so buddy buddy's uh, great too freaking awesome dude one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet we were actually in a band together back in 89 90 and um you know we stayed in touch you know go in and out and everything and when we started the label what, four years ago yeah. just out of respect i gave him a call or shot him a message and say hey you know we're thinking about starting up a label uh, just, you know, make sure that, you know, 
paying the respect to him and everything. And he said, yeah, man, go for it. And all that kind of stuff. And the one thing about running the record label, I'll never forget his words are embedded in their sleep (laughs) and how true it is. I can imagine, especially as we'll get into too, like running a record label during a pandemic, you've probably lost countless hours of sleep that way too. You know, the develop, like, I guess I want to talk about the, the, the label a little bit before the pandemic too, though, like the development of it, like, what like what i guess like when like when did you actually decide you want to do a record label like was there like one of those like aha moments or whatever you know what i mean or was it just kind of a slow well, honestly kind of a funny story, he comes but... to me one day and just goes hey do you want to start a record label i'm like no do you know how much time is going to be involved what's our return on investment what's this what's that i'm like no and so we actually teetered over it for probably about a month and then we came to the conclusion that let, let's just try it. Let's let's start off slow. Let's, you know, maybe do a, a release or two and see how it goes. And then it just kind of one release turned into two, turned into three. And before we knew it, we were really enjoying it. So 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 the backstory there a little bit further is, yeah. you know, our oldest boy is 13. So go back maybe 15 years ago. Kim and I were starting like a little bit of a production company. I was doing some recording. She was doing video production and we had another guy with us as well. So we were developing this production company and sure enough, you know, kids come by and that put a stop to really everything all for the right reasons. And then um, it was probably maybe five or six years ago, a buddy of mine, I even stopped playing he asked me if I wanted to join a band and I joined a band and started playing out, really getting back into playing music again, started recording. And then as we're promoting the album, I'm like, this is kind of like doing a record label type stuff. And I thought, uh, you know, I had a good handle on what it would take to run a record label. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, you got into doing some PR and doing promotions, doing a little bit of everything that involves, you know, media production, all that kind of stuff. So it took me about a month to really get the courage to go and talk to her. Cause I knew she was going to say no, because you know, obviously with three kids, um, managing, you know, a full-time job, you know, we're actively involved in sports. It's just like, how much more can you take on? But there's that internal drive, you know, right. music is our lives. You know, I know it's in her, it's in me. So we just had to take the plunge and really haven't looked back since then. No, not even. It's definitely been the right decision that we should have made, you know? Oh, there's definitely times where we're like, what the <laughs> fuck are we doing? Run a fucking you know? record label. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. Run a record label, they say. But, you know, we're having a blast with it. We love being able to network with people like you and the people that we meet. Yeah. It's just it's such a gratifying experience. And even just doing what we can do for the bands, you know? Yeah. I mean, anything that we can do that might be a little bit above and beyond is something that becomes personal to us. We enjoy it. We enjoy when they're happy, when they're succeeding. I've uh, I've come to with my girlfriend with a lot of harebrained schemes over the years, so I can only imagine what she would say <laughs> if I was like, yo, I want to start putting records out again, you know? like. And that kind of makes me think too, though, Mario, like you having been somebody who's like seen this music thing, the uh, industry, whatever you want to call it for like 35, 40 years now. And you've seen it go from vinyl to like vinyl and cassette, basically to CD to digital. And now vinyl's kind of made a comeback. And I guess maybe CDs are kind of making a comeback too. I'm hearing like, 
Yeah. Was there any concern for you? Like, were you like, how the fuck am I even going to navigate around all this? Like, did you know anything about like how the modern, like digital, we're going to get into that too, obviously digital distribution and stuff like that. But you like, did you know about any of that kind of stuff before you started doing all this or? I thought I did, but I mean, YouTube's your friend, you know, yeah. there's a lot of things that you can learn. And that's one thing we pride ourselves is, you know, we have open minds. So we're always, you know, not afraid to ask questions, network with other people, um, do a lot of research, you know, and we make mistakes, man. And, you know, we pride ourselves on learning from our mistakes, you know, but it's all like a calculated risk, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to really analyze things before you take too big of a plunge. Um, as far as like doing any previous market research, she's the business person, you know, so she analyzes things. I, you know, I think she will admit. I, well, I think a lot of it too, is we, we really want to bring back physical media. I think there is definitely a niche for it. People do love it. There's nothing like, you know, here and it sounds great and everything, but when you put the CD in and you hear it on this great system, it definitely kills the digital sound. Yeah. And the, being able to hold it in your hands, having the tangible reading along with the lyrics, I think it brings all of us back to our childhood. I mean, who didn't sit and listen to the lyrics and read it at the same time? So we're really trying to push that as well. And mm -hmm. it's been perceived really well. I mean, people love it, you know, and, and we're not the only ones doing it. A lot of other people are doing it. We're seeing that comeback that people just want that tangible item, something that they can in their hands yeah i i definitely grew up on vinyl and then it went to tapes and then cds and i have to admit you know cds are probably my favorite format just because it's a little bit more portable it's more durable and the sound quality to me you know is far superior than the other formats um i know some people will probably argue but I mean, there is, you know, something really special about, you know, putting, dropping the needle on, on a vinyl. I mean, we started getting back into listening to vinyl as well. Started purchasing vinyl, um, other bands vinyl, let's say, and it is a great experience, you know? So going into this, like Kim said, we wanted to put, bring back that tangible format so that when you open it up, you gain that experience. And then from there, it's just really kind of morphed into the other formats, right. like like vinyl. And I, I, like I said, I have a bunch of questions about digital distribution, so I'm curious about that on my end. But um, before we dive into that, I guess, like I know on the website, you have like a way for people to submit music and stuff like that. Like, how do you usually go about like getting bands though? Has it been a, a mixed process or is it like bands you already know of or? It's, it happens. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, you know. Um, you know, we have the music submission form. And and we try, we try to check out everything on there and, absolutely. you know, look into it. And But the best is, the best way is when another band or a friend of ours says, hey, check these guys out. So they're kind of like vouching for them. Right. But bands that are not looking for a label, let's say, are the ones that are probably most worthy you know um probably the most important thing for for bands that we're interested in is bands that have that work ethic and have been able to kind of establish themselves well you know? we want to see you know that they have the knowledge of the music industry and that they're go-getters and that they're hardworking and that they really care about their music you know they're not just looking for somebody who's going to say hey, yeah, I'll promote you, I'll do this. And they sit back and say, okay, 
they got to work, you know, as well, because we can only do so much. We can only, I mean, the band is the band. They're the music. They're the face. We can only push them so far. They have to take that and run with it. So they need to have the shows. They need to, you know, follow it up with social media and being out there and connecting with their fans and, um, and really pushing it as well. And that's what makes the right connection for us, you know, is those bands that are eager and ready to go get it. Yeah. And, you know, we've had all kinds of submissions, you know, from, you know, folk to country to, yeah, all kinds of genres, but also different stages of their career, you know, and as much as I would like to jump on a band that has never played a show ever, and they submit their demo and their demo sounds fantastic right. killer but if we're gonna invest we have to have at least a little confidence that you're gonna stick with it for quite a while because you know how bands are you know they break up uh you know at the drop of a dime and i think a lot of it is that we just want to see them grow so if there is bands that are newer they haven't had the chance say they started over the pandemic they didn't have a chance to play any shows but they got this great music all right, well, let's, let's watch you. Let's see what you're going to do. You know, let's see if you guys are hungry, if you're going to get out there and play and what your responses are and everything like that. And, you know, we'll watch, you know, we'll keep an eye on these bands for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that it's, it's gotta be hard to, to like gauge a, a band like right now. I mean, it seems like a lot of, I have I've been to a few shows locally and I've, I've seen a bunch of videos, obviously. So it seems like a lot of out of town shows, especially the festivals have been pretty well received. Yeah. Like some of our shows locally have been, you know, hit or miss attendance wise. It seems like some people are still a little skeptical about going to shows, which I understand, obviously, you know, but um, it's, it's gotta be hard. Cause I mean, obviously times are different right now. So like seeing a band live now versus like three or four years ago might be, I mean, I mean, I mean, does it, am I right on that? You guys think like, does it seem a little different now or do you think it's about the same or? It's different, it's, you know? It's the same, but it's different. You know, everyone's that's there is there to have a good time. Yeah. Some people aren't going, so maybe the mask mandates or vaccine mandate, you're missing a whole group of people that would normally be there. And I feel for those people because they feel like they can't get out to the shows and that might be a big part of their lives as well. Yeah. So it's definitely a different, you know. Yeah, yeah I think the pandemic's made people lazy too, you know, yeah. <laughs> a little too much of a homebody kind of feel yeah. or survive, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, I'm, I'm technically a stay-at-home dad now, so I'm definitely a homebody. I can't really... Uh, yeah, but look at you, you work, and you found a way around it, you know? I guess, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, no, I that's the whole thing with... And I don't, and I don't want to dive into this too much, obviously, because it's a long <laughs> subject. But with the mask thing, like that's... And the, the vax mandate, like that's... Like I booked... I used to book shows, and I want to book shows again, but now I'm at a point where like, do I book it at the club where the vax is required? Do I book it where it's not? Because you're going to upset people on either side, no matter what. So now I'm right, exactly. You know, that's and that's why I'm in that position now where I'm trying to decide, and it's it's not gonna be an easy decision, obviously. You know, so um, damned if you do, damned if you don't, for sure, man. Exactly. Um, so I guess jumping into what I've kind of talked about a few times that I'm really curious about is the whole digital digital distribution thing. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, I ran a label uh 20 years ago now, and it was, I did pretty much all vinyl, a couple, no, about half and half, like vinyl and CDs, but the, I, I never even knew that this was, this was even a thing that you had to consider, like distributing your album, like through the digital things. So with the podcast, like I just upload it to my server and it uploads it automatically to all the things, but like, I'm guessing it's different. Like when you run a record label or whatever. 
No, not necessarily. Yeah, the, the, the concept is is the same. Um, so what you have is an aggregator, if you will, and that person or that entity takes what you're uploading and then distributes to iTunes, Spotify, or all the platforms. Um, there's a lot of aggregators out there, you know, uh, TuneCore or DistroKid. And basically what they do is they take your digital uh, media, if you will, and then just pop it out there. Right. Uh, we got really, really lucky to fall Very in the happy hands. to be working with Bloodblast Distribution. So basically they're the the aggravated they're the ones that are putting it out there except you're working with real people you know it's not just you're just a number on there you know exactly you know so we have let's say an a and r rep that we talk to we yeah. kind of go back and forth in regards to the release strategy and bryce has been absolutely awesome with us yeah so so it's definitely worked out really really well for us because we started this really thinking we knew about how to release music and then blood blast just kind of really set us straight and say this is how you do it yeah so we've gained a lot of best practices on how to release how to strategize um it's been really a great partnership and what they have on the back end is they have contacts with um the digital service providers so they can work at the, getting to playlists and, yeah, and getting them out there in other avenues besides just you know, uploading them to digital media. Yeah, they got, they definitely have some horsepower behind them. And again, not to get too far into the weeds with the whole digital music side of the world, but another thing I guess I'm curious about, like is our Spotify and Apple obviously like the two main things or are there like a lot of other things that people still it go It depends through? on where you are. You it's, know, it's I mean, if you, yeah, yeah, it's countrywide. Tidal, Deezer, everybody oh, has their go-to. Some people prefer Bandcamp, you know, so it, it's important to get it out on all those, you know, medias. Because everybody is comfortable with what they're comfortable with, and that's where they're going to go to. Some people are prefer YouTube. Some people prefer, you know. Yeah, so it, what really blows my mind is when we see um, the digital distribution and how many different digital service providers out there. So when we go to make a release, obviously it's going to iTunes and Spotify. Those are or Apple Music, yeah. or Amazon. Um, but there's like. 300 400 digital service providers that us in america aren't even aware of you know in china they have their own quote unquote spotify or apple music so it's just mind-boggling on how many different outlets there are um just beyond spotify and itunes I mean, just with doing the podcast, you're making me think more about it, though, because like the thing that I go through, it only uploads it to maybe like 10 or 20. And you're talking about like, you know what I mean? So I'm wondering if other right. countries can't even receive. I mean, this yeah. podcast started off as more of a niche thing for like Rochester, Buffalo in the beginning anyways. But now I'm trying to, you know, get out there to As you grow and everything. Yeah. Venture out. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. So now you got me thinking more about this. So I'll definitely probably look more into this after our conversation tonight and see like how I could. I was gonna say you can connect with us afterwards. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 when I was working last year, one of the people I worked with was like a, I wouldn't even say up and coming rapper, but he has, you know, he's a rapper or whatever, and uh, he would talk about like DistroKid and stuff. I'm, like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, and I feel dumb because <laughs> like I run a podcast, so I should know about this kind of stuff, you know. But I like, I'm just, I don't. There's so know. many. There's so many. Yeah, yeah. A lot of layers, man. Yeah. So um, obviously, you know, COVID has is an obvious one, but like, were there any other uh, growing pains with the label, like pre-COVID and stuff like that? 
lots. <laughs> a lot of learning curves, you know. I mean, I mean, we could talk, you know, just even even a, a layout design. And when we think back about the early days of what we were doing to for that first compilation CD. Mm -hmm. I mean, my God, we were just hacks on how we put it together. Well, I think you put that one together. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't even talk about the the tool I was using or the app I was using. All right, using. we'll leave that alone. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we just have learned so much along the way, you know, whether it's um, the layouts or order fulfillment, mm -hmm. um, packaging, uh, how to properly package vinyl, um, getting you know the the mailing rates right uh dealing with customs for overseas orders i mean then going down you know merchandising and printing and getting the right prints rgb versus ckmy or whatever the hell it is you know <laughs> we talked to her uh video formats you know when you're uploading to instagram it's got to be this pixel shit, whatever. So versus... when we were growing, <laughs> yeah. we didn't know all the different formats and all that kind of stuff. And we were learning as we went, you know, and it was definitely was a challenge, but the thing was uh, Google's a great source, you know, there, there's tools out there, YouTube tutorials. And we constantly, constantly were learning new things. We were watching new tutorials and anything we needed to know, we would go find the answers to. We didn't sit back and be like, oh shoot, what are we going to do you know so it was definitely challenging but it has helped us along the way i think another growing pain is we really learned a lot about each other <laughs> <laughs> i learned that i'm oh, totally ocd oh stickler for detail and i'm just like hey 80 good percent, we're good let's go let's go that's that's kind of how i am with it just good enough and i feel like that's how my girlfriend would be too like we gotta you know, but my problem it. is when things are going to print, it's got to be good. You yeah. know, 80% could be fuzzy lines. And yeah, I remember having, I remember having issues with, with layouts back in the day too. Like I had somebody who did a lot of my layouts and we would, we, we, we printed the CDs through Canada for one of these releases. And I remember having to resubmit the artwork like three or four times. And I'm not like, I'm not, I don't know any of that kind of stuff. So I'm not really sure what the problem was, you know, like even with this <laughs> stuff, like I don't, I have somebody who did my logo shout out to Rob Antonucci because He's the nice. one, honestly, you guys talking about the growing pains you had, like it makes me think of all with this. Cause like, like I said, I don't really know about the digital stuff, like with technical stuff. I don't know a lot either, obviously, as we learned in the beginning of this episode. Um, but, and then like, no, and I like, totally understand we, you know, um, neither one of us has been like professionally taught graphics, you know, that's something I just kind of had to pick up along the way. Um, I, you know, went to school for communications business. I learned video. I learned a little bit of everything in there. And so I got the video side of things, but whenever I wanted to put a graphic into it, I had to figure out what to do and how to do it. And over the years, it was like one more thing, one more thing just kept adding to it to the point where it kind of was like, hey, I think I can understand this. I think I can learn it. I can figure it out at this point. Yeah, I see what you, like with the Google thing's definitely been a lot, a lot of help too, though. Lately for me, I've had just little, little small things I've been Googling and just like, they're, like you were kind of referencing before, like there's a lot of apps now too that, like, yeah, I, I've I used noticed. a couple apps that had yeah. like um, almost like you know courses on it. You know, they can walk you through certain techniques and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, I guess obviously, like I said, another major growing pain would be running a record label during a pandemic. Um, 
and I, and I, and I think that's actually when I first connected with you, Mario, because that's when I first was trying to do this podcast. And I like, because I remember you were talking about the bloodbath thing, like, like almost two years ago now. So I know it was around then. Um, so like, take me back. Cause I, I remember what, like my feeling, like going into everything, like, how was it like for you guys? Like, I think the hardest thing for us was releasing gloves off on Friday the 13th. Yeah. And then the whole world shut down. Wow. And I think that was probably the hardest thing about the pandemic was that they never got that chance to, you know, play those shows, have that CD release, everything like that. That was probably the hardest part of the pandemic. I mean, going into it, yes, there was definitely a lot of things to navigate, but I think looking back, that was probably the one thing, you know, and they just released this weekend. Um, and so far they're doing great with their next release and everything. Yeah, it was definitely a great rebound mm-hmm. from that first release. Um, I know for me as well, you know, the pandemic was um, being respectful of the situation. Yeah. And the other part was, when is this going to end? You know, when are we going to get back? So obviously during the pandemic, there was a lot of unknowns when it first started. You know, nobody knew if how if this was real, if this was bad. So um, a part of us people felt were like out of work. We didn't you know? want to push people to buy stuff because there's a lot of people out of work, a lot of things going on. So just, we just kind of sat back and just started pushing some of the stuff that we had already done. Like, hey, listen to this. Hey, check this out. But not anything to buy because, you know, we didn't want to push that angle at all. Yeah, at that push, moment. we pushed our band camp, which people can go on for free right. and all that kind of stuff. So at least you know, while you're sitting home, maybe check out some new music. And then obviously with um, George Floyd and everything that happened yeah. during that time period, it was just like, wow, man, we're in a tough spot right here. Um, we just want, you know, the world to be okay, the U.S. to be okay, you know, just everything that's going on. And we just really kind of looked inwards and, you know, kept things moving along, but really focused in a little bit more on family time, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, one of the benefits of the pandemic is, you know, brought the family even closer than before. But yeah, the pandemic was hard and I'm glad to see things um, I wouldn't say that they're over, but we're definitely muscling through and saying we got to get our lives back. And I agree to that. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be at some point in time where even if like it becomes like, I don't I, I hate using the term they're using before, but like a new normal, like we might just have to right. adjust to it and, and let it be what it is. But like, I agree, like we want to get back to some kind of sense of what it used to be at some point. You know, I mean, I know things aren't going to be the same, but like I remember what was it? It had to have been like nine months ago. One of my coworkers at the time was like, this mask thing is not going away. And even me, like, I'm like, I've been, I wore a mask like the first day, like everybody was laughing at me, like, fuck you or whatever. And I was like, I'm not getting sick, you know? But even I was like, that's not true. Like, there's no way these things aren't going away. Like they'll, right. like, they'll be gone eventually, you know? And now I'm kind of agreeing, like, maybe they will be, you know, well, I remember going to Toronto when I was a kid and they were already wearing them up there, you know? So it's like, really, you know, well, they had like the SARS and shit and other stuff up there back in the day. So they were always worried about that. So, and now it's like, you know, it's just crazy, you know, and that's becoming yeah. the new norm is that we're going to be wearing masks. Yeah. I mean, at least we've been able to come up with like some cool and clever ones. I mean, you see people wearing funny ones and shit. I, I, I was, I forgot how I was joking with about this the other day, but um, there's a corner store near me that has bootleg uh, Washington football team uh, masks. And now that they have a different name, I kind of want to get one because it's like collectors. Commanders, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, that's like a, it feels like a Harlem Globetrotters joke, basically, you know, the generals or whatever, so, but it is what it is, you know, Another topic. yeah, um, but 
you guys, like I said in the beginning of the episode, you guys are like killing it with a lot of the bands, which we'll talk about some of the releases in a minute. But like, are there any bands that like you either like passed on or like didn't get the chance to put something out with that you kind of regret or anything like that so far? I don't think, you know, looking back, there aren't any regrets, so to speak. You know, it is what it is. And that's one thing about the hardcore community is, you know, you support. And, you know, if a band, you know, goes to a different label, there really isn't any animosity whatsoever. And, yeah, and I mean that. It's all about support, you know. Because, you know, they make their choices and you know, based upon the best fit for them. Right. Um, no love lost, so to speak. You know, we still want to see them do well and mm -hmm. support them. I think no love loss is a bad thing to say. I'm not sure, but I don't know. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is we support, you know, um, there's obviously there's bands that we've missed out and, um, you know, it's disappointing when that happens, but, you know, you move on, you know, there's no band that, you know, really hurts so much, you know, that we have regrets about, you know, we just keep moving forward and hope for the best for everybody. Yeah, hearing you say no love lost makes me think of I was a big wrestling fan growing up and uh, Jim Ross would always say that in the middle of a match that there's no love lost here. So I, I think you're right. There's a bad, a bad way of describing the situation at times. The video, their lyrics. No love lost. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I put um, the gloves off and arc line track on a few episodes oh. back for my new music. And I know you guys got a ton of other shit coming up. So let's talk about like, you know, what's been coming out recently, what's coming up, you know. Well, like what Kim mentioned, you know, gloves off, gloves off finally, you know. And so what they ended up doing was they took their album Life that dropped right before the pandemic hit. And then they put their new album and everything after together. And it was a great way to, you know, showcase all those songs because they were all that first album was incredible. It's freaking heavy from start to finish, you know. That's one thing I've definitely noticed with your your roster is that, like, there's a lot of the bands. It's a kind of diverse, but all the bands are fucking heavy. Yeah, you know what I mean, um, and and I'll, I I do I, I know Gloves Off has a, a release show coming up uh, this yep. weekend tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, right? Yeah. Tomorrow, oh, no Saturday. Oh yeah. Well, if I get this episode Saturday. out, if I get this episode out, it will be tomorrow. So I'm trying to get this episode out on Friday. So oh, okay, so it'll be tomorrow exactly. Tomorrow. Yeah, she's, she's always right. <laughs> So yeah, they're, they're playing with Onsite. Yeah. Uh, another band that's on our label, Grace, that absolutely is been killing, killing it, it yeah. really gaining a lot of traction. You know, they're like everything that we, you know, our lane is more of that metallic, heavy, hardcore type style. Um, it really goes back to you know my early days in the in the Tr Albany Troy area. You know that same vein. That's what I love. You know. Um, so gloves off next up on tap is be brick by brick. brick by brick and dismal existence that drops uh 18th. february 18th their cd release show is the 19th with nuclear salt skinless uh ringworm uh some locals crimson mask and, and Baylor. yeah and then smash your enemies is march 4th their cd release show i think is march 5th and that's going to be with annie up yeah and which is another band on our label. Um, That's going to be a great show too out the there. The boys in Detroit are just, <laughs> I thought all we in Detroit tough. were heavy. I mean, there's something in the water in Detroit, man. They just put out some brutal shit. Uh, D Block is another band that's out from Detroit. They're heavy as hell. 
Yeah, I mean, so, Detroit's got a never-ending game and, and cold as life, obviously, from back yeah, in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It all goes back to, you know. Um, I, I, before you tell me about the other stuff, I'm, I'm, I want to jump back to the brick by brick thing. I mean, you got a guy from Testament on one of those tracks. Like, how, how, yes. how did that Chuck all come from? You know. Mike Valeni. That's all. So, so Mike Valeni just knows everybody. So he's a promoter in the local area in you know, he's just a lovable guy. So he knows um, Warren Lee, who was the roadie for Slayer. And Warren grew up in the hardcore scene. He played in 25 to Life, I do believe, in the early days. And one day he's like, hey, Warren, you know, we're thinking about, I forget who he said. He goes, I don't think we can get him, but what do you think about Chuck Billy? Was, okay <laughs> and i gotta tell you testament is probably one of my favorite bands of all time mm-hmm. so when mike told me he got chuck billy to do guest vocals i was just like you gotta be fucking kidding me man this is awesome and he did it he didn't want any money he just wanted a little compensation for the studio time but it wasn't like hey i need five thousand dollars to sing on your track he is the coolest cat on the planet man just low key goes yeah did it in like two or three takes send it back over and crushed it it was awesome from listening to a lot of wrestling podcasts i don't really like to ask about numbers and stuff but you said it there like i was i was thinking while while prepping for the interview i was like yo that had to have hit the pocketbook pretty hard having him on there but that's crazy that he was just able to do it off the cuff like that or whatever that's that's pretty cool you know Yeah. yeah i think you know maybe a hundred 150 bucks for studio time. I mean, you're only talking about a short clip, so he's yeah. in and out. And didn't have to mix anything. That's no, so, he did yeah. it for solid. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. That's a really that's crazy. When I saw you guys had him on there, I mean, I don't remember how long you premiered the track, but I was just like, holy shit, that's crazy. You know, like yeah, pretty much, I can die now. So, <laughs> yeah, so you've succeeded. Yeah. Life, you know. I'm good. Life is good. Um, you guys got anything else on tap with releases and whatnot? Or we sure do. Got, like, like, yeah, we got a couple. Plan couple bands that we'll be announcing coming up here soon it's a little early to announce it um but they're definitely they're definitely going to be an interest you know an interesting couple releases yeah but we have you know uh and ripped away they're finishing up their tracks bovis they're yeah. hitting the studio um there's a band that are was it our second band that we signed no convictions they kind of reformed as a no new co. band as noco so they're going to be coming back with some new stuff um what i've heard from a pre-production standpoint sounds fucking killer mm-hmm. can i swear <laughs> oh yeah yeah i've been swearing that can be down right <laughs> yeah you know it's that definite beat down style yeah. so you know we we have our bands like on a second generation of a release but we also have some some new artists that are coming into the fold as well really exciting Mm-hmm. Um, two, two, uh, two things that are kind of related. I want to jump back to is it's. I think it's pretty obvious, but it's Smash Your Enemies. Are they named after the Hatebreed song? You'd have to ask them. Yeah, I never I asked them. Think but they are. I think, but I think it's. Well, you never I, know. You were talking. This this goes back to the very beginning of the conversation. I forgot to ask you about it after the fact, but you were talking about Saratoga Winners at the beginning. That, was that place still open in the early two thousands? It was yes, because. That's when I came into the scene. It was early yeah. 2000. Yeah, because I saw Hapri there. I saw Hapri because I went to a few Albany shows from like 2000 to 2003, and I, I saw there was it was like a stillborn fest, like Hapri, AF, um, yeah, a bunch of other bands. But I was just I was just it just reminded me that that's Smash Your Enemies. You thing. know, I was at that show. I was bro. gonna say I was probably up in the rafters <laughs> filming. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it was. I, it was definitely a good floor. show. Yeah, I saw Hey Pretty a ton of times back then. That was my only time I ever seen them in Albany. But yeah, there or I guess Sar- Saratoga. I don't know what, what that's considered, but well, it was yeah. actually uh, Colony. It's funny they call it Saratoga Winters, but it was in Colony down by yeah. Albany. Yeah. yeah, that was my only time. I think that was my only time I'm going. I saw Madball. They might have played there too, but oh, yeah. uh, I saw them play somewhere big a couple years later. But I didn't go to a ton of Albany shows. But from like for like those four or five years, we would occasionally mm-hmm. go. You know, I, I'm older now with kids as you guys are can relate to it so it's harder for me to make a, a journey like that I, I barely even make it to buffalo I, I try to promote the buffalo shows for people on my instagram but it's hard to, to well, you do what you can when you can you know we're um, all doing the same thing you know, I, I remember seeing agnostic front you know this is way back and all of a sudden roger goes hey here's my little brother and freddie must have been like I don't know 10 years old or something and he comes out and he's singing with time i mean it was fucking absolutely killer man that's crazy who the hell is this kid and then next yeah. thing you know look who he is now yeah. and i'm guessing you saw some of the early madball shows too probably then right when they were coming to albany in the beginning or hell yeah that's hell really yeah. cool and you obviously would have known that that was the same guy or whatever and or whatever at that point yeah many many years later so yeah. that was that yeah. kid yeah that's so cool i haven't i haven't like jumped back and forth in a conversation like this in a while so i do apologize for that but i was the, the hatred thing made me think about that so and i like to hear old stories like that so that's a cool one to hear obviously <laughs> And Haybreed um, used to roll through Albany, and not to go back, but they used to roll through all the time, and they were like the supporting act for so many of the Albany bands. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody I know me personally was like, "Who the hell is Haybreed?" You know, and then you turn around, I was like, "Holy shit, that's the same Haybreed that I used to see back." You know, playing bogeys. <laughs> but and they it's only amazing. had they only had what like six or seven songs back then, right? Because when I saw them for the first time, they played like um the first ep and the split seven inch that was pretty much it like six songs yeah and i was like 97 so i can't imagine they were playing much too many tracks before that it shows or whatever oh so. you know i gotta tip my hat to them you know yeah, they, yeah. They really you know beat the streets and made made a name for himself oh 100 and, and you got it like that's something we didn't really touch on at all throughout this conversation but i mean if you think about it like that's definitely one of the bands that helped like make hardcore appealing to the mainstream and so many kids had to have gotten into it through them you know it's crazy to to think about that you know yeah that pretty much that's pretty much it for topics i had um is there anything else you guys want to add or any uh project projects you want to plug or anything that we didn't already talk about no man um (laughs) i say no uh i appreciate you having us on man this has been great it really has you know it's an honor it's always very very humbling that somebody would even want to talk to us to be honest with you so uh really appreciate you taking the time and having us on your podcast um it's good stuff and i wish you all the best with your podcast you know keep killing it man it's people like you is what keeps this thing alive yeah thanks i really appreciate hearing that and and you know i wish you guys the best of luck and you guys are obviously like i said killing with the label and the 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 promotion you guys do is is top notch you know what i mean like you're definitely getting it out there really good you know so We'll uh, have to find our way out by you and go to some shows and meet up, right? Yeah, we got to yeah. meet Adam someday. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'll have to get. I'll have to find a way to meet halfway with you guys on a Syracuse show or something. You know, so <laughs> um, on out we, to the Brick by Brick show, yeah. February eighteenth. Yeah. Dismal <laughs> existence. You know, get a flyer. <laughs> he's rolling out. He's rolling out. Around, but dismal existence on sale right now. <laughs> no, I'm just. Adam's rolling out with Nuke that he told me. So maybe I'll try to hitch a ride with them or something. But it's, it's oh, hard with little, little kids, you know. But yeah, but I appreciate it, you guys. Really do appreciate it. So um, 
yeah, I guess this is going to wrap up episode 57. Um, as always, thanks to Rob Antonucci, Greg Benoit, and Jim Byrne for their help with the podcast. Uh, thanks to my family for putting up with this nonsense. And uh, see everybody real soon and stay safe.